Good morning, class. Good morning, Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. You want to believe and identify and confess that you are an overcomer. You don't want to say that you, you know, you're a failure and that you're defeated and, and, and you're a victim. And you don't want to identify with that because that's not who God made you to be. And you don't want to live in the past. You want to look forward and believe in his good plan and realize that the bad things that have happened in the loss, that's not God. It's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Many times people have allowed the enemy to do things that he shouldn't have been able to do, but because of being passive, being weak, or just not knowing any number of things, people let him get by with a lot of stuff. But that can change. You can grow up, you can start resisting him, and the scripture said resist the devil, and what would happen? He has to go. When you find out who you are, he already knows who's in you. <laughs> if you didn't know it, even if you didn't know it, and he w- he'll just leave. He-, he will not try to fight the Holy Spirit in you as something he can't win. So get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Come on into the class. Let's release faith today. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for your utterance, for your anointing, for your guidance for your direction, the, uh, the supply of the Spirit and the revelation and the help that we need right now, you know it. We ask, give us this day our daily bread. And we purpose to be doers, uh, not forgetful hearers, not, do, not hearers only, but show us how to put it into practice and how to act on it. And as we do that, we know you are always faithful to watch over your word and perform it and bring it to pass in our lives to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look, please, in Hebrews, the third chapter again, to Scripture that we have uh, been using as our text on our series that we call Overcoming Unbelief. In Hebrews 3, 7, he said, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. They thought they were testing God, challenging God to prove this, to prove that. And it was them who were failing the test. Them who were tempting God, and like the psalmist said, and limiting the Holy One of Israel, what what He was able to do for them. No, uh, God has already proven His love for us. He's already proven His power. The Bible said that 
Even his, Romans chapter 1 says, even his eternal power and Godhead are clearly seen, revealed in the things that he has made. Look up in the night sky. Look at the mountain ranges. Look at the stretches of the vast oceans. I mean, um, life, the plant life, your own life, uh, all of its, even in its fallen state, it all points to a creator. We have no experience of anything that's self-created. We, we have no experience of anything that ever self-created. No, even people, people who say there's no God and they talk about creation. Well, in order for there to be a creation, there's got to be a creator, right? No, no creator, no creation. There is a God. And Genesis is, is accurate in what happened in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And you can't say, didn't? You weren't there. You don't know. <laughs> At the very least, you should be honest and say, well, I just don't know. Yeah, we believe that. But if you decide to believe, you can have the answers. They're all right here. And they, they show us uh, an, an amazing being. I mean, what kind of being can create stars? And not just a handful of them, billions of them, trillions of them, all with their own planets, all these solar systems, all these galaxies. I mean, who can create life? Who can create uh, biology and, and physical and nervous and bone and, and circulatory and who can create a brain? You can't prove that it created itself. And so if there's a creator, the creation should show him some respect. Do you agree, class? There should be some acknowledgement and there should be some thankfulness for your very existence. Let's just try it out. Take a breath. Are you alive? Yes. Then say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you. Lift up your hands and say, thank, thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my life, for my existence, for air to breathe, and blood in my veins. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Bible said, for his pleasure, we are and were created. And so uh, you find that there is no fulfillment in life. There is no satisfaction except in pleasing him what the master said I didn't come to do my own will but the will of him that sent me and he said I always do those things that please him and you'll find in doing that in seeking to please the creator you will find your fulfillment that's the only place you'll find when when you do what he wants you to do you pursue his plan and will for your life and begin to accomplish it, it is a deep soul satisfaction that comes. You can't find it in possessions. You can't find it in worldly success. You can't find it in riches or in drugs or in any of that stuff. Nothing can touch that because that's inside. That's spiritual. 
But when he's pleased with you, you find the reason for your existence. Hallelujah. You really do. You really do. And when he's pleased with you, his pleasure is in you. It affects everything from what you see to what you hear. The sky is bluer. The grass is greener. The birds sound better. You're even tolerant of goofy people. <laughs> and, and even merciful to mean people. Uh, it's, it's the God in you. Uh, conforming you to his image and likeness and plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say it out loud if you believe it. Say, I do. I do. Acknowledge, God, Acknowledge God, the creator, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The and the my, God, my God, my creator, my creator I, live, I live, I exist, I exist to, please God, to please God, to please you. My Father God. My Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This, this is your existence. You know, uh, you, you'll quit uh, looking wistfully and saying, why am I here? What's the purpose of my existence? You'll never find it in the world. You'll never find it in scholastics and the pursuit of knowledge. And uh, you won't find it in all these false religions. You won't find it spinning wheels and ringing bells. You will find it in the God of the Bible. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are not fantasies. These are not just stories. This is history and it's living truth. Oh, praise God. And when you, when you find out who you are, why you're made, why you exist... What your purpose is. Oh, it just answers all the questions. And it saves you from endless debate and frustration and wrangling and guessing and wondering. And That's no way to live your life. You need to know. And you'll find so many times in the scriptures it says, we know. We know. We know. We've passed from death unto life. We know. Because we love the brethren. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I got to preaching a little bit. Well, uh, are you still there at your text? He said, don't harden your hearts like they did. And so we, we need to say, okay, we won't. Verse 12 said, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. And you find, like we've talked before, this unbelief he's talking about, there are two distinct kinds of unbelief mentioned in the New Testament. One, I think it's 1 Timothy 1.13 or so, Paul said what he did before he got saved, uh, he said, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. But then this, and there's more than one word for unbelief if you look them up in the concordance, uh, some of the words used here in this passage, chapter 3 and chapter 4, don't just mean lack of belief, it means defiance. It means disobedience. So it's not that they didn't know. I mean, how could you have been in that generation and seen all those signs in Egypt and seen the splitting of the Red Sea and the water out of the rock and the manna falling out of the sky? How could you have seen, I mean, every day of their travel, there is a pillar of fire 
out by the tabernacle. Hallelujah. And there's a pillar of cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night. And then when it's time to move, it moved. The cloud moved or the pillar of fire moved. And they followed it and wound up where they needed to go. I mean, there was so much evidence of God and his power and his wonders and his signs. And here's the lesson. Still, they chose to doubt. See, some have thought, well, show me a miracle and I'll be convinced. Not necessarily. No. You can be surrounded by miracles and still be a total unbeliever because faith is a choice. You simply, you have to make the choice to believe. And it's not based on what you see or feel or understand. It's a choice to trust the one who's telling you these things. It's a choice to trust them, believe them. And so uh, it is actually uh, astounding that you could see everything they saw and hear everything they heard and be around and experience everything. Think about when God came down on the mountain in fire and gave them the Ten Commandments. They all saw that. They all heard that. And I mean... They heard the actual voice of God speaking audibly out of the fire, the one, two, three, four through ten commandments, as we call them. He spoke that to them. Everybody heard it. Everybody saw the fire just rolling and boiling. And, and it, it, I mean, the smoke went out of sight into heaven. And then they, they heard a trumpet blast. And it just got louder and louder and louder. And then God spoke. They heard his voice. They understood the words. He spoke in their language. And so after that, to decide you don't believe in God, <laughs> that you don't, you don't believe he's real or you don't believe he can get you into the promised land, it's, just, it's really absurd. And yet it happened. And it's just that absurd today. There have been so many situations where God has had mercy on people. They cry, even non-church-going people, non-believers, they've cried out in their desperation and asked for help, and God had mercy on them, and God got them through it, not because they deserved it, but just out of His mercy and because maybe they asked and delivered, healed, helped, provided, protected, spared, sometimes uh, uh, scores of times, and still not ready to commit to Him, won't go to church, won't pray on a regular, won't, won't read the Bible, not sure about that, because as soon as the pressure's off, huh? Right? As soon as the pressure's off, they're going to do it their way. And they don't need God. And they're not even sure if God exists until the next time they need him. Right? And then it's, oh God, please help me. Even if they pray it under the breath when they don't want their unbelieving friends to hear. That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. Huh? That's not all right. When God has been faithful to you, it's time for you to be faithful to him. Right? 
it's time for you to turn around and make a commitment and acknowledge every day of your life that he is real and he's your God. And you need to not be ashamed of him in front of other people. And foolish. if they don't believe in God, they're the ones that's wrong. They're the ones that need to change. And you don't need to hide it. Now, you don't need to try to push it off on somebody, but you don't mince words. You, you know, you're, you're one of them. Not only am I one of them, I'm one of the chief ones of them. Amen. I'm ringleader. <laughs> and you need to come join us. Right? Yes. Not ashamed of the Lord. Say it out loud. I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed. Of, the Lord, of the Lord, of God, of the gospel, of, God, of, salvation, of salvation, of the cross. Of the cross. I'm not ashamed. And I won't be silent about who saved me. Hallelujah. He saved me. He saved me. And I'm going to say it. Didn't the Bible say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. Let them say it. Say it. And there are numerous times when you need to say so. Not to be pushy. Not to be arrogant. But so that. People are not wondering about you. They know. You made it clear. Right? Oh, you're one of them. One of the, so somebody said that to me and somebody was with me a while back. Oh, they're one of that, that, that Jesus church bunch. I'm like, yeah, you got that right. <laughs> Say it again. It's exactly right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so thankful for it. So thankful for it. But on the other hand, I know why I'm here. I know why I exist. I know my purpose. And I have that contentment. I have that peace that passes understanding. And folks that don't do this, they're still looking for it. There's no such thing as a heart-contented unbeliever. Doesn't exist. No such thing as a person who doesn't trust God and doesn't believe in God who is, has a sense of their reason of existence or their purpose, has any contentment in their heart. Can't be. That's why they keep reaching for a bottle or for a pill or for this or for that, trying to find something. And the problem is, if you find it, it's not going to satisfy. It's not going to do it. But he gives us the peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keeping our heart and mine, and this is something we have to look forward to in its full measure past this life into eternity. There will be absolutely, past this life, living with God, zero strife and fear and torment. Zero insecurities. <laughs> huh? Being vexed in your soul. No, none of that. None of that. None of that. None of that. And the good news is, you can start living in that peace now. Here. So you can start in increasing measures of it. You have to cast your cares over on the Lord. And then you have to keep your mind stayed on Him. The Bible said, Thou will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him. If something is troubling you and bothering you, realize what thinking on that or talking about that is doing to you. Realize what it's doing to you. And if you're smart, what will you do? Quit thinking about that. Quit talking. Well, yeah, but it's real. I know it's real, but God's real too. And he's bigger. 
Think about what he said. You, you can change the channel, if you will, and put his words in your mouth. And, put that, and if you keep it in your mouth, it'll force it on your mind. And if you keep your mind stayed on him, you will not be all twisted up and full of fear and panicking and stressed out. You won't be. If you're stressed out and full of fear, it's because you've been thinking on the wrong things. No escaping that. That's why. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So say it out loud. I cast all my cares, worries, fears, anxieties over on the Lord. Now by faith, see yourself doing it. Say, I cast them all. I throw them all off of me and onto the Lord. He can do something about it. Here, Lord. Now the next thing is, you put your mind and you keep your mind on what he said. Now that's, that's where the faith fight comes in. Because it's all day, it's all night. The enemy will try to bring... Uh, he, he will bring thoughts and feelings against you, and, and if you don't resist them, next thing you know, you'll be sitting there worrying about something again, and you will have lost your peace again, and that's your fault, because you let it come in. Now, my father in the faith used to say, uh, Kenneth Hagin, he'd say, you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent him from building a nest in your hair, right? That means you let him stay. And you let him keep working there. Well, that's exactly how these thoughts are. You can't prevent the enemy bringing a thought to you or a feeling to you. But you immediately need to realize, no, that thought doesn't agree with the Word of God. No, that thought doesn't minister peace to me and help me. So you grab it and you cast it down. You're casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We got a good testimony some time back. I was at a church uh, ministering and didn't realize it, but the, uh, the pastor's daughter, uh, married daughter, uh, was expecting with a child. And they had given her like a week or two before a really bad report that there was some major things wrong with the, the, the baby inside her and that it, would not, it wouldn't survive and wouldn't this and wouldn't that. And I didn't know that, but, but I was preaching on this, and I said, you got to grab those thoughts and slam them. you got to grab them and throw them down and slam them down. And I didn't know that, but God was ministering that to her. And, and, she, and, and I, we received a testimony, I don't know, it was months later, but uh, uh, she wrote and said that those thoughts would come about how bad the, the, the baby was and, and how bad and how impossible it was. She said she would immediately grab it and go, no, no, I cast that down in Jesus' name. And she'd begin to confess the blessing of God over herself and how the scripture said, even you, even your animals wouldn't cast their young before the time and all of that kind of thing. She'd begin to say the word of God over and say the word. And she said, sometimes, man, those thoughts would come, you know, 50 times a day, 100 times a day. And she'd grab them and slam them down. No, no, no. And do you know by the end of her term, she delivered a perfect, healthy baby. No, everybody was astounded. And so it's a miracle. 
is a miracle. But can you see, this is fighting the good fight of faith. And you have to be strong. And, 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 and you know, you can get tired of casting down those thoughts. Because the enemy, he's a persistent cuss, you know. You just keep on bringing this junk back to you and trying to put, and especially you got to watch when you're by yourself and you get quiet and, and whatever. He, what's he trying to do? He's trying to put fear in you. Is that right? He's trying to convince you it's hopeless, it's impossible, it's no way, and just get you weak and scared and defeated and get you to give up. You cannot just sit there or lay there and think those thoughts and have a miracle. Hmm? It's just the same thing if you've been diagnosed with a terminal disease or, or whatever the case might be. You've been told you, you're going to lose everything you've got financially or whatever, you, whatever the case may be. You've got to fight those thoughts. You've got to fight those suggestions. And see, the enemy is always trying to paint you a failure outcome. He wants you to see yourself. Let's say you've been diagnosed with a uh, terminal disease. I know somebody told me one time about this. They said, you know, every time they'd sit down and get quiet and even close their eyes, they'd see a grave, a grave, and, they, and, and it was their grave. And then they would see the, uh, the seasons change, you know, and, and the leaves would fall on it and, and then the grass would come and the snow would fall on it and they're dead. 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 Well, where'd that come from? Anybody got an idea where that came from? That's the enemy. He brings, see, why would you, let, let's go to 2 Corinthians and just look at this. Why would you need to fight imaginations? Is that a deal? Obviously it is. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Said out loud, it's not a flesh fight. You don't fight with your fist. It's not about yelling and spitting and being loud. It's a spiritual fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural, fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then he tells you what the strongholds are. What's, what strongholds are you talking about? Imaginations and thoughts. See, a way of thinking can be so ingrained into a person, it's a stronghold. It's got a grip on them. And that's the only way they see it. And they can see a bad outcome and they're gripped by it. But you've got to cast down. That's a strong word like throw down. Throw it down. Slam it down. Cast down what? Imaginations. The margin says reasonings. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Any thought or feeling that contradicts God is a lie. It's right. I don't care what expert told you or how real it looks and feels. If it disagrees with God, it's a lie. Amen. I didn't say it wasn't there bothering you, but it's not truth. It's a lie. And bringing into captivity every thought. Somebody say every thought. Every, every, thought. every thought. It doesn't matter what we think on. Yes. Every thought matters. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. So say it again. I cast down. Every lie, every, lie. Every, suggestion every suggestion and feeling and, feeling and, thought, and thought of failure, of failure and, defeat and defeat 
and loss. I believe the greater one inside me. I'm an overcomer. I'm victorious. He always causes me to win. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And our time's up again today. Well, come back tomorrow. We need to finish uh, talking about what happened with Cora. We'll see you soon back here in Faith School. I've got no